Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Amen. Amen. What a great time to hang out. What an amazing time of worship. And uh, Rebecca did a good job on the men's breakfast for us men. And so I uh, encourage you guys, sign up. We need to know how much to make for you guys. It's going to be a great breakfast of just uh, breakfast foods. And so it's going to be a good time. And I, I want to encourage you. I feel like I have a little bit of a message boiling for us men. And uh, going to hang out together and have a good time. We're also going to play some games and goof off. And so it's, that's going to be a fun time as well, which uh, we're, we're really good at goofing off. And so I <clears throat> want to in, invite you all to be there. Uh, <clears throat> we're starting a new series called Inside Out. Have you seen the movie Inside Out? It's, a, it's, it's kind of a kid's movie, kind of not, but it's, it's one of those about all about our emotions and about what we feel. And my big question to you right now is, how are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? Somebody just said, ouch, <laughs> and they're not feeling good at all. But um, how are you feeling? How are you, go- how, what's going on inside? Um, my, my daughter, uh, we used, my, my daughter uh, Stephanie used to say, I'm so emotional. And, and we're like, yep, you are, and, and she is. And, and she's amazing, she's, but she was kind of our emotional kid. She's the one that felt everything and, and feels strong about everything. And, and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But she'd say, I'm so emotional. And we'd say, yes, you're so emotional. And, and uh, are you so emotional? You know, I think all of us feel, right? If I were to tell you how I'm feeling right now, um, I'm feeling a little bit anxious just about life. I mean, there's so much going on in the, in the world today. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm fearful of what's going on, but I, I feel this, this little tension and it's a little bit of anxiety or something like that. It's, it's, a, it's an emotion I don't enjoy at all because um, I'm very familiar with anxiety and I don't like it. it I hate anxiety. Um, and we're actually going to address that in this series. Um, I'm also a little unsettled just because of the, the nature of our, our world today and our, our, our nation. Um, but I'm also very settled in the context of my faith. I just know that God is in control and I love that. Um, but my unsettledness kind of goes to my grandpa feelings for my, my, my grandkids and what kind of world are they growing up in and what kind of experiences are they having. I'm so glad that their parents um, love Jesus and are, they're getting great influence there. Out, pastoral feelings of unsettledness. I feel for you, I feel for us as a church that we're in a, in a, in a culture, in a world that is, seems to be anti-Christian, anti-church, anti-relationship like this. And, and, and it's not everywhere. And um, fortunately, we're in a country and in a, in a culture to where we can still do all of this freely. And that's a blessing. Um, but it continues to tighten up. It continues to tighten up. And it's, it's a, a kind of an unsettled feeling. And if I were really deep with you, I would let you know that I'm grieving today. I'm grieving. We lost a, a brother yesterday, John, John Bautista. I don't know if you know who John is, but um, he's a big part of our church. He's been here forever, and, and uh, yesterday the Lord took him home uh, to, to be with him. And, and so God said, enough is enough. John was struggling with some big uh, physical issues, and, and uh, yesterday John went home to be with the Lord. And so if you will, I'd like to take a moment to pray for the Bautista family 
and just ask God to comfort them and give them peace. And also know that the Bautista family is full of faith. Um, it's it's, it's a, a quite an experience. I had kind of a, a two-pronged experience yesterday. I did a memorial for a person that, that I wasn't quite sure if he was a Christian. And some of the stories and things in the, in the memorial were interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and at the same time, uh, there was a little bit of hope in that setting as well. And um, one of the sons gave a, a great message of faith in his writing to his dad. And so uh, it, was, it was interesting. And then to go from that experience in, at the memorial to another experience where a family who just lost their, their, their father, their uncle, their, <clears throat> their brother, um, that, that was an interesting experience, but full of faith. God was a part of that conversation, and it was really powerful. So let's pray for the Batistas today. Father, we thank you for who the Batista family is. We thank you for Nadine, the, 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 the strong, powerful woman of faith who believes with her whole heart that John is with you today. And for that reason, she is excited and joyful that uh, her son is in your presence, dancing and, and loving, uh, God, loving you, Lord, with, um, without the hindrances of all the physical ailments that he was facing. And yet, Lord, we miss him. We grieve today. I thank you, God, for John and, and what he meant to me and what he was me- meant to many others. And we just ask that you continue to bless this family with your comfort, with your peace, and Lord, with your hope. And we thank you and praise you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, memorial service and those kinds of things, the details will come out later, but um, just continue to pray for them as they continue to grieve today. Emotions are either leading us or following our experiences. The reality is if your emotions are leading you, you're probably feeling a life out of control. You're probably feeling like life is just a a bundle of emotions and everything is about those emotions. If you're sad and you're, you're, you're letting those sad feelings lead you, then you're leading a sad life. And I'm not putting you down for that. I'm just saying that those, if those emotions are driving the car that you're in, you're going to feel sad always goes to sad. If you're fearful and, and the car's driving fear, you're always going to feel that fear. I remember the, 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 the time when I went through this angst, anxious life and anxious moment in my life. And I remember feeling like I was driving, the, the fear was driving the car and the car was always just about to run into somebody. You know that feeling when you turn your head for a moment and then you turn back and this car's coming at you really fast and you're behind it and you hit the brakes and that, that stomach adrenaline just kind of goes boom and it hits you. That anxiety that, that you feel just before you think you're going to hit that car. And well, if you, ha- if, if you ever have anxiousness or anxiety that takes control that's how you feel all the time. You constantly feel like you're going to, something's going to crash. And it's an awful feeling. And it, at one point in time in my life, it was in the driver's seat. And there were other reasons, there's lots of reasons for it. But um, <clears throat> we, we can't let emotions drive. We have to let the Holy Spirit take control of the emotions. The emotions aren't bad. Emotions aren't bad for us. We have a healthy fear, right? You, you don't step off the curb without looking because there's a healthy fear of being hit by a car. Okay? I don't jump out of planes because I have a healthy fear of dropping. 
more importantly, landing without a parachute. Okay? That's the same on a ladder. It's the same. It, it, there's, there's good things and bad things about fear, but there's fear that's good that, that helps us. It's a, it, I call it a barometer. It's a, it's a temperature measurement in our lives. Some people call it an emotional tank. I read some interesting uh, statistics about uh, emotions. In, in, 19, in, in 2019 and 20, uh, 20.78% of adults were experiencing a mental illness. Not just, not just emotions, but a mental illness. That is the equivalent to over 66 million Americans who are in some way messed up. Look at your neighbor and say, you're probably messed up. You know, you can, it's okay. It's okay. We all have issues, right? Look at your neighbor and say, I have issues. Okay? And if you're a spouse, you're like going, I know, I know. Okay? Of those millions, millions of adults in the U.S. experience serious thoughts of suicide with the highest rate among multiracial individuals. That's a little scary. I'm multiracial. Okay? I've, I've actually had those, those uh, ideation issues in my life a long time ago. I'm healed and completely delivered, drug-free, all those kinds of things that God has set me free from. I'm absolutely 100%. Hopefully, well, you'd have to ask my wife if I'm fully mental health mentally healthy, but um, the truth is, is that there is a, a, a pandemic or an epidemic of emotional challenges that we're facing. And uh, at, at Journey, we're always going to be real with those. We, we've got them. We feel them. We experience them. There's anxiety in the room. There's fear in the room. There's sadness in the room. There's, there's anger in the room. There's all kinds of things. And, and, and these these emotions have a good and a bad side to them. Like there's fear, and then there's fear with faith. Okay? I, I think anybody who's walking in faith has a little bit of fear in them. Why? Because you're doing things that are outside of yourself. You're doing things that you don't know how they're going to turn out. You're, you're taking steps that you don't know where that step is and how it's going to land, but you're trusting God to put a stone right underneath that and he's the foundation of it. There's sadness. And yet there's a grief that we should feel for certain things. And we'll talk about that later. There's happiness and, and joy. There's anxiety and stress. There's peace and calm. There's anger. There's powerless and powerful. There's hopeless and despair as, as well as hopefulness. There's all kinds of emotions that, that we go through and we experience. And, and it's okay. It's okay. Jesus felt emotions. He was an emotional guy. I love that because you, you know me. If you know me at all and you've hung around me a little bit, you know I, like, I, I don't mind tearing up. I don't feel like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a weakness. It's an emotion. And I feel it at times. Uh, Jesus was angry. We don't, we, we don't know how angry he was, but we know that when he went into the, the temple courts and he saw people selling things for worship, that if you wanted to worship in the temple, you had to buy a, a, a pigeon or you had to buy a goat or you had to buy something to worship with. And they were jacking the prices up and cheating people. And, and Jesus said, no, you will not make my, my father's house a, a den of thieves. It's a house of prayer. And he went around and he turned over tables and he made a whip 
and he started whipping people. I can't imagine Jesus doing that, but can you imagine Jesus just going off? It's like, oh man, what happened, Jesus? And some people were like, hey, who gave you the authority to do that? But, you know, and, and, and probably some people said, man, that, that anger thing, you need some help. <laughs> you need some therapy. And, um, <clears throat> and that's what we would say today, right? We'd say anybody that's going off like that would, hey, hey they, they have, need anger management classes. They need some therapy. They need to spend time on the couch. Whatever the case may be, they would say that. But Jesus was righteously anger in that, angry in that moment. So it gives us hope that there is a good anger. He was also full of joy when he sent the 72 out to go and minister into the communities. When they came back with the words that said, Jesus, what you told us was true. We cast out demons. We help people. We serve people. We saw the Holy Spirit move. And he was full of joy in those moments in Luke chapter 10. And in, in uh, John chapter 11, he looked over Jerusalem and he wept because they were so unaccepting of his message. They were so lost. They were like sheep without a shepherd, the Bible says. And, and Jesus grieved over that. He was sad when Lazarus died. And I think he was more sad that Lazarus uh, died and his family didn't believe that Jesus could raise him from the dead. He had a righteous anger against the Pharisees. This is where Jesus actually called people names. He called them whitewashed sepulchers, vipers, if you ever want to just cuss at somebody, go, you whitewashed sepulcher. <laughs> you know, if you, you viper. You know, if you're going to say bad things, say, they, say things that Jesus would have said. I'm just joking. So today, we're going to focus on the emotion of anger. I don't know if you've ever had anger. Um, growing up, I was an incredibly angry guy. I was, I was just, there, there was this rage in me. I'm not exactly sure how it happened, but I know that I was angry at my dad. I know that I didn't feel fairly treated as a son. I, I know that I, I went through all kinds of things. My brother was kind of the, the receptor of my anger at times. I remember punching him in the gut one time just really hard. Out of nowhere, I just got angry. And I was this really angry guy. And to this day, I have to be careful not to let anger take over. And praise God for the Holy Spirit in my life. Praise God for healing in my life. Praise God. Uh, although I do have an, an occasional BK day. <laughs> my Burger King experience with the manager and all that kind of stuff. I don't, we didn't, don't need to repeat that story. But occasionally I have this. And, and one of the things that goes through my heart when I get that angry is I feel like I've gone back in my my healing process. I feel like I'm living out an unsaved life. I know I'm saved. I know I, I'm, I'm okay with God, but God is like going, dude, you still have some work to do. Proverbs 29, 22 says this. It says, an angry person stirs up conflict and a heart-tempered person commits many sins. Angry, you, you've heard this saying, hurt people hurt people. Angry people hurt people. Angry people sin. There's, there's sin that comes out. There's vitriol. There's, there, there's a vial that comes out of our, our mouths and our hearts and our minds when we get so angry that we mistreat people and we abuse people and we, we, we don't represent Christ well at all in those contexts. I, I go through these guilt feelings when I, when I experience anger of going, no, don't, don't let that foothold come back. 
Because I don't want to sin. I don't want to stir up conflict in, in people's lives and, 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 and all those kinds of things. And, and I, I have to make sure that I'm always submitting my emotion, that emotion especially, to God. The root of anger, one author says this. He says, the root of anger is the assumption of negative intent. I thought this was very, very interesting. In, in other words, when we're angry at people, we assume that they meant to do it. That's why we get so angry. You meant to hurt me. You meant to mess up my order at Burger King. You intended to do me wrong. And in most cases, and research proves it, in most cases, the person that you're most angry at in those moments, they didn't intend to do it. They did it, but they, they, it wasn't about you. It was about a fault in their own heart. It was about a fault in their own system. It was about a fault in their own. But, but you were the recipient of the fault. And so you're like, hey. And you get angry. And you know that guy that cut you off in, in traffic. Oh, they meant to do that. I'm so angry at them. And you fly an eagle across the window. If you know what I mean. You say a word. You think a thought. You get angry at them. Why? Because they meant to hurt you. That's a, a terrible way to live. To think that everybody's against you. There's the law of positive intent. There's the law of negative intent. In other words, you meant to hurt me. And then there's the law of positive intent. Everyone is doing the best they can with the resources they have. It's something I had to settle with with my dad after he passed away. I, I think I've told you that the last... Two weeks before he died, he told me he never liked me. Those were the last words I heard from my dad. He never liked me. I was always somebody he, he just didn't like. And I felt that most of my childhood, most of my life with him. And that was either after, even after I became saved and he was excited that I became a pastor and we had some good times and we had some bad times, we had some uncomfortable times. But at the time of his death, and hopefully it was medication, that kind of brought that out maybe, and maybe he wasn't in his right mind, but um, he said that emotion. And I, and I had to deal with that. And here's what I, I came to, to conclude, is that my dad didn't have any other tools to deal with than what he was given. And you may, th you may think, oh, I'm making an excuse for my dad. No, I don't think he could have loved any better than he did. And I think there were stuff in his own life that he never had a chance to deal with. He never had a chance to, to process. He never had someone he could confide in. And so most often the people that you love the most, maybe you hurt the most just because they're the closest to you. And so you feel it. You experience it. I've had to come to that conclusion that maybe my dad simply didn't have any other tools than what he had to love me with. And there were good sides of him. There were good things about him. But I had to come to that positive intent that my dad did the best he could. And I wasn't the best son. Of, you know, I, I, I had my own issues. I had uh, disobedient moments and all those kinds of things. There's some words that uh, were used by a psychiatrist that I was reading. <clears throat> and he said that there's, a, there's two words. And, and we're familiar with the first word, which is paranoia. Paranoia is that sense that everything is against me. 
And so I'm, I'm paranoid. I'm, I'm paranoid about letting people in. I'm paranoid because they don't have my best interest in mind. And I fear. I'm constantly afraid of everybody and everything because everything's against me. And then there's the opposite of that word, which is called pronoia, which means the world is working on my behalf. And this is a, a, actually a scriptural concept in the fact that if you take a, the idea that all things work together for good, to them who believe. Or if you say, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face persecution of many kinds, the all, that, that says that when God's in control, all things are working for my good. All things are working for the better, even if it's negative. It's positive. And so there's a way to approach life that we don't have to be ticked off all the time. We don't have to be mad at everybody, and we can make, make progress. Let's look at the dangers of anger very quickly and briefly. First of all, we understand it leads to evil. Psalm 37, <clears throat> 7 through 9 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Listen to this. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. In other words, don't let anger take over because it leads to evil. It leads to that thinking, oh, I'm going to get him back. I'm going to hurt him. I wish he were dead. Those kinds of thoughts. And I know that sounds extreme, but they're in our heads. It says refrain, turn from. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. Do not worry it only leads to evil. And so there's, we understand that anger can turn to evil. It's also foolish. Proverbs 12, 16 says, in, in the New Living Translation, it says, a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Ecclesiastes 7, 9 says, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. So anger can be a foolish expression. If you, if, if you watch reels every once in a while and you see, like, best of road rage, you'll see those guys, smack, you know, trying to smash windows or, you know, trying to open doors or doing stupid things when they're so angry on the road. And I get it. I've driven, and I, I get that whole road rage experience. But there, there's this foolishness that happens when we're angry. We say things and we do things, and we, 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 when we're just at, in a rage... For sure, we do crazy and foolish things. We also know that anger, anger is contagious. Proverbs 24, or 22, 24 says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who is easily angered. Or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Hey, it's a disease. It's a virus. Don't let angry people influence you. Don't let their anger Catch hold of your heart. This is why you can't watch news 24-7 because whatever side you're on, everybody's angry at the other side and pretty soon you're going to be there. So don't, don't hang around angry people. It's contagious and it's a symptom of unforgiveness. Vengeance, judgment, retribution, all of those emotions are part of anger. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 says, You have heard that it was said that 
uh, to, pe- to the people long ago. You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And that's like, duh. If you kill somebody, you're... you're but Jesus is, is making it one step further. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, well, Raka means you empty-headed, you idiot, you stupid person, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of, fi- of the fire of hell. What? That just means that you have reached your limit and you're ready to judge this person, ready to kill this person. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. In other words, you can't have harbor anger and worship God. It's a limiting factor. It's, it's, it's a symptom of unforgiveness in your heart. And if you have that unforgiveness, then you gotta, you got to deal with it. you got to go to the altar and you, you, you know, let God reveal it there. And then all of a sudden, oh, hey, I've got a problem. I need to go deal with that. And that's a good time to forgive. That's a good time to let go. That's a time to, to, to release people from their, their debts of what you think you, they owe you. And when you do that, it's powerful. So what's the solution to anger? The solutions aren't simple. I'm not going to say it's easy because uh, the, 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 those triggers kind of pull up that emotion inside of our hearts. But there are ways to get rid of it. And the first one is to kill our earthly nature. To let the Holy Spirit take over. That's what this passage is really saying in Colossians chapter 3. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. It lists a a, a bunch of sins, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And so in that list, we must rid ourselves or get rid of these emotions that drive us, that are driving the car. It's like, get out of the car. (laughs) Get out of my car. You don't belong here. Jesus is driving my car. Okay? I was tempted to say, Jesus, take the wheel, but I won't. We have to kill our earthly nature, and the way to do that is to submit and to give in and to let the Holy Spirit take over and drive the car. And when he's driving, there's fruit that comes out of that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. All of those things are fruit of the Holy Spirit that comes out. And so we need to kill our earthly nature. That's a process. That's a process of discipleship. That's a process of connecting with God. Hopefully you guys are spending time in your rhythm of prayer. Every morning, I hope you're praying the Lord's Prayer. Every afternoon, I hope you're praying for the lost. And every evening, I hope you're spending some time thanking God for the day. And if you're in that rhythm, you're killing your earthly nature and submitting to the Holy Spirit. I think the, the second thing we can do is love being on the good side. Love being on the side of good instead of on the side of anger and frustration. I know our anger, we feel right. We feel right. We feel like we have a right to be angry at the person who hurt us. 
But this passage says, no, we need to be on the good side. It says in Titus 1, talking about leaders of the church, since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. That's for church leaders, but I, I think it easily transfers into every one of our lives. If we will love the good side, love being, love what is good. And when we do, when our anger says, lash out and hurt, the Spirit says, no, love. Be hospitable. Be redemptive in our conversation. I think the third thing that we need to do to overcome anger is to learn the principle of quick, slow, slow. James 1 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and this one, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. I like, I like this saying, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It doesn't produce anything good. Human anger, and I, I think there, there's a, a, an interesting uh, definition there. There's, there's a human anger that's bad, and there's a righteous anger that's good. We'll talk about that briefly in just a moment. And then lastly, I think we can, uh, two things left, is to learn to use soft answers. I don't know about you, but I, I can be tend, I tend to be quick to answer, first of all. That's not good. And then secondly, if I'm angry, I'm, I, I elevate. I don't just have a conversational voice. I, in fact, I have a look. I have something in my eyes. I, I can't repeat it. I can't do it right now because I'm not angry. Um, I've tried to, you know. Um, but my, my wife calls it the Quintana look. My dad had it too. And uh, it's some kind of glance or it's some kind of, you know, some, I can't repeat it. But um, it's something that shows up when I'm angry and it's, it's like I'm yelling with my eyes. And uh, I don't have soft answers. And, and, and I've learned, I've learned that there's a way to de-escalate and there's a way to escalate. And that the immediate way to escalate anything is to get loud. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Man, if we could just learn that one, we would eliminate a lot of these harsh, brutal arguments that we have at home or with other people because we would learn to, that there's a, an, an easy way to de-escalate everything, and that's simply keep the noise down. Talk soft. Somebody else is yelling and you talk soft, trust me, they're going to slow down. I see cops use it all the time. Another way to deal with it is deal with your stuff now. Listen to this. Ephesians 4 says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So deal with it now. Don't let it sleep. Don't, don't sleep on your anger. Your dreams might get better. But take, take the time. I'm not a big fan of going to bed um, and, and, or, or being really tired and, and having to deal with stuff. 
But if you're ready to just forgive or say, I'm sorry, then do it. And, and, and solve the problem. Solve the problem with forgiveness. Solve the problem with asking for forgiveness. And that will allow your anger to subside. And then let God, here's, here's the bottom line. This is the, the, the letting God deal with those that you think intended to hurt you. We're not the judge. We're not the jury. We're not the punishment. God is. Romans 8.31 says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If it's your wife, if it's your kids, if it's the grocery clerk, if it's the guy that cut you off, no one's against you. They are against God. And if God is for us, who can be against us? No matter what you think about the intent of others, leave it up to God. How did he who did not spare his own son gave him up for us all, he will, he, how will he also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. God's in control. Someone has hurt you, and you extend forgiveness to them, and they say, hey, forget you, I don't care. Then you can just say, God, it's all yours. We don't have to harbor the, the hurt. God takes care of it. God takes care of his kids, and, and he will always take care of us. If, if, who, if, who can be against us? Who can judge us? Who can hurt us? People can hurt us. That, I mean, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is the biggest lie ever. Both of them will hurt you. And, and the truth is, is we have to allow God to do his thing. We're not God's instrument. We, you know, pastors used to say, you know, I, God, God leaves, you know, God's the one who's just and I'm his instrument of justice. That's a stupid statement. God is in control. God will take care of us. God will protect our hearts if we let him. But if we choose to get mad and, and take over, then we've caused the problem. So what made Jesus mad? Really quick things. We talked about them earlier. Don't make his house a house of a den of thieves. Don't make worship cost people. Worship's free. Worship should be an expression of God, and that's it. And we shouldn't sell things or, or turn things into a marketplace for worship. Worship is 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 a free, and it should never. Uh, be, be an abuse that um, that should happen in the church and uh, <clears throat> there are pastors have, have, who have said you know if you don't give you're not saved it's not true it's not true you don't pay for your salvation okay our giving is out of our worship but our giving, our giving isn't to worship and it isn't given to our salvation amen and so we don't turn the house of God into a den of thieves. Another uh, thing that made God mad was the abuse of kids. And this is a value in our church, is that kids will always be a high priority in our, in our ministry. Uh, what Captain Rebecca does is essential to everything we do to raise up the next generation of believers and, and, and children of faith. And we should never uh, be okay with the misguidance of kids. In fact, I believe today 
in our culture, in our world, there is an attack on our kids that we must be angry about. We must be angry about. We must not allow our kids to uh, fall into the trap of the belief system that's being promoted in our public schools, in our, in our, even our universities. Um, but our kids are being taught wrong things in, in a public context and in specifically in the cultural context of things. Church, we have to stand against that. We have to stand against that. And that's one thing that can make us angry. Not inappropriate anger, but actively angry. Okay, I love what Kirk Cameron does. And I don't know what you think of Kirk Cameron, but I, I do love what he's doing with Brave Books and those kinds of things that are, that are great influences for kids. And there's a whole bunch of other influences out there that I think are positive. So I encourage you to do all that you can, first, to protect your own children, and then secondly, to make sure that we're doing all we can to influence the kids of our communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, he was angry at sin. He hates sin. He hates the devil. I love that. Anytime the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Okay? He's toast. He's a loser. And there was one thing that made him especially mad, and probably more than anything that we see in Scripture, is when he was dealing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who would put burdens on people for belief. Belief in Christ is free. It doesn't cost anybody anything. And, and the Pharisees were always trying to make the legalism of, of religion more important than the grace of religion and faith in Christ. And, and Jesus called them whitewashed sepulchers, vipers, you brood of vipers. He called them all kinds of things, and he was always angry at them because they were always trying to load up people and dis, uh, uh, distract people from the real message of salvation, which was Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and he gave us life, and it's free. It's a gift. It's a gift, and we have to believe that, and we can never give in to legalism or division. Legalism or division. The Bible is very clear about both of those, that they're not to be part of the church. And when they are, we're to deal with them and deal with them firmly and lovingly. And so we can be angry as long as we're angry like Jesus. And angry about the things that Jesus cared about. And if we go there, we're, we're good. What did we talk about? We talked about the antidote to anger is selflessness or killing or get rid of that that that. that um, sinful nature that we have. We talked about self-control, being on the good side, loving the good things, learning quick, slow, slow, being quick to listen, slow, uh, or quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We talked about forgiveness, making sure that we're forgiving others. We talked about soft answers, and we talked about the truth that who can come against us if God is for us? Why get angry when God's in control? And he's the biggest one. And today, I want to pray for you. I, I know that there are people in the room, like myself, who are angry people. You've got hurt in your heart. You've got stuff that just makes you angry. And you tend to kind of, the, the, once that switch is flipped, man, you just go off and out of control. And maybe rage. Maybe even to the extent of abusiveness. That's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit. And today, God wants to help us overcome that by first submitting and saying, God, I've been angry. I've sinned in my anger. Please forgive me. And God, help me. Help me to become that person 
that is loving, that is caring, that is redemptive in my language, that loves and that trusts that you're the one who's going to control the things that are going to trigger me. Or even if I believe that someone has negative intent or someone wants to hurt me, I'm not, I'm going to let, leave that up to God and trust that he'll take care of it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And we know, Lord, that today our world is so divided. It's so uh, opinionated. It's so full of anger and frustration and, and unaccepting and unloving and not full of grace. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will uh, allow us not to be a part of that culture, but to be a part of a culture that has learned that anger will not be the dri- in the driver's seat of our lives. But love, grace, forgiveness will be. Your fruit will be in our lives, that love, patience, joy, uh, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, all of those fruit of the Spirit will be part of our heart and our lives, and that will be the expression. Help us, God, to be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. Help us, God, to, be, to speak softly when confronted with angry people. Help us to be redemptive in our language. Help us to love instead of hate and hurt. God, I pray for those that are angry in this room. Lord, you know what's happened in their lives. You know what the hurt has caused. You know why they feel the way they feel or the the relationships that are broken because of it. And I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would bless each heart, that you would bless each soul and help us, God, to overcome. Help us, God, to let you be the judge. Help us let you be the, the, the one that brings rest, uh, retribution or, or judgment or whatever is necessary. But Lord, we don't want that for people. We want them to be loved and forgiven. And we pray that you would just reconcile relationships. Help us, God, not to be hurtful people, not, just to, not to be angry people, but to be people full of grace and full of love and full of forgiveness. Lord, there are people here right now that are feeling guilty about the hurt that they've done to others. I pray that you would remove that guilt today in the name of Jesus. Restore them to fullness of joy. And God, we thank you and we praise you for it. We give you praise. We give you honor. We thank you, Father. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're here on site but you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe there's a root of anger in your life and you need to first get right with Jesus. He wants to do that with you. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. And he will because he loves you. He died on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven, so my sins could be forgiven. And today's the day to accept him as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, just say this simple prayer with me. Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I accept you as my forgiver. I accept you as the one who died for my sins. And I now ask that you forgive me of all my sins. And I thank you for it. I receive that forgiveness today. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. And I will spend eternity with you. And I look forward to that day. Beginning today where I will spend eternity loving you walking with you, having a relationship with you. And I confess that you are risen today. And I will commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.